Hello, I'm Dr. Jim Taylor, and welcome to episode 25 of my Crisis to Opportunity podcast. This episode is the first of four in which I explore the importance of mindset in how you respond to a crisis. The topic for this episode is Pessimism to Optimism, Part 1. When I talk about mindset, the first thing that may come to mind is Dr. Carol Dweck's wonderful work exploring the impact of a fixed or growth mindset on achievement. Though I love her work, let me begin this episode by saying that my conception of mindset is entirely different than hers, though not in conflict in any way. Rather than viewing mindset as similar to attitude, I see mindset as one step closer to consciousness and everyday life. Attitudes guide your big picture life in relation to how you perceive your world, the decisions you make, and the actions you take. By contrast, your mindset directs your day-to-day thinking, efforts, and actions. One helpful way to distinguish between mindset and attitudes is to think about them as parts of a large organization, that organization being you. Your attitudes are your bosses that are several levels up the organizational chart and residing on, let's say, the 50th floor. Your mindset is the supervisor to whom you report directly and is situated on the first floor. From the American poet T.S. Eliot, only those who will risk going too far can possibly find out how far they can go. Now let's begin to explore pessimism and optimism. One of the most distinctive and noticeable qualities in people is the degree to which they're pessimists or optimists. In other words, do they see their glasses half empty or half full? Do they approach their lives with uncertainty and fear or hope and possibility? Do they see the world as full of threats or full of opportunities? As I'm sure you can imagine, where you lie on the pessimism-optimism continuum will have a significant influence on whether you adopt a crisis mentality or an opportunity mindset. which informs the crisis's impact on you and your response to it. Generally, pessimists tend to hold a crisis mentality because they view crises as threats to be avoided. In contrast, optimists more readily adopt an opportunity mindset because they see surmountable challenges that they want to pursue rather than seeing major roadblocks preventing them from getting where they want to go. So what are you, a pessimist or an optimist? Let's take this little quiz to find out. When faced with a crisis, do you, one, tend to focus on what has gone wrong or can go wrong or what you can do to make it right? Two, do you want to run away or confront it head on? Three, do you feel mostly unpleasant emotions such as fear, frustration, anger, or sadness, or pleasant emotions such as excitement, pride, or inspiration in response to a crisis? Four, do you feel out of control and panicky or in control and comfortable? Five, do you have negative or positive self-talk? Six, do you feel dejected or motivated? Seven, do you experience anxiety or do you stay calm? And number eight, do you question yourself or believe in your capabilities? As you may suspect, if you lean toward the negative side in your answers to these questions, you're most likely more of a pessimist. By contrast, if you tended toward the positive side, you're likely more of an optimist. In either case, it's probably not a surprise because you're one or the other in most aspects of your life and likely always have been. That said, if you consider yourself a pessimist, then this should be a wake-up call for you. Although pessimism can have its place in a crisis, an optimistic mindset is generally more beneficial. From the American author James Cabell, the opportunist proclaims that we live in the best of all possible worlds, and the pessimist 
fears this is true. Before we go any further in our discussion of the role that pessimism can play in your response to a crisis, let's define it. Pessimism is a tendency to see the worst aspects of things or believe that the worst will happen, a lack of hope or confidence in the future. Certainly not a feel-good way to go through life. Ironically, we're probably wired to be pessimistic through evolution. Think of it this way. Think of it this way. Pessimistic cave people focused completely on the threats before them, worried about them, and did everything they could to avoid them, which increased their chance of survival. In contrast, optimistic cave people either minimized or ignored the threat. Oh, that saber-toothed tiger isn't going to eat me, making it more likely that they would, in fact, be eaten. Even with today's crises, some pessimism has its place. In fact, research has shown that pessimism isn't the quote-unquote bête noire, that's French for dark beast, that our positive psychology-obsessed culture believes it to be. Pessimism can motivate you to avoid the worst-case scenario. If you find yourself in a desperate situation, you're going to do everything you can to get out of it. It keeps expectations low, which can mitigate disappointment when things don't turn out the way you want. Pessimism ensures that you don't get overconfident or complacent because failure is always lurking just around the corner. Pessimism also helps you anticipate bad news, which actually allows you to start working through the emotions associated with undesirable outcomes before they actually even happen. In other words, pessimism can lessen the devastation you might feel should bad news related to the crisis arrive. Moreover, in anticipation of the bad news, you may put supports or strategies into place that will help you respond constructively. For example, you may schedule a lunch with your best friend on the day you're supposed to hear if you landed a job or you remain unemployed. In addition, during the days leading up to the announcement, you may even lay the groundwork for another round of job applications in the event that you don't get the job. From Jack Canfield, the motivational speaker and author, don't worry about failures. Worry about the chances you miss when you don't even try. So, here's a question. If pessimism is evolutionally effective and can motivate proactive action during a crisis, is it really that bad? Well, pessimism can be good in moderation. But let's be honest, the pessimism that we often feel is not in moderation, especially in stressful situations. More often, it's doom and gloom, which is a real problem when faced with a crisis. At the heart of pessimism is the feeling of despair, which I define as the complete loss or absence of hope. It's the belief that nothing you do will enable you to overcome the crisis in front of you. More than likely, feelings of despair will demoralize you, particularly when confronted by a crisis that is unexpected and where the consequences are dire. That pessimism is in stark contrast to the pessimism that research has found to be beneficial in some instances. The accompanying feelings of despair and dejection lead to a sense of learned helplessness, you perceive the crisis as completely overwhelming and your capabilities are deemed insufficient to overcome the challenges that lay before you. Thus, getting caught in a vicious cycle of pessimism leads to negativity, despair, helplessness, and ultimately hopelessness, which puts you in a hole with no way to climb out. Plus, pessimism just plain feels bad. During a crisis, you already have enough bad feelings without adding the insult of more bad feelings to the injury of the crisis itself. Let me now share with you some red flags of pessimism. Worst case scenario. When you focus on the worst case scenario, otherwise known as catastrophizing in a crisis, you set yourself up for failure by creating a situation that's negative and overpowering. The outcome of the scenario becomes virtually impossible to overcome. Starting with this defeatist mindset leads to negative thinking 
and emotions that will definitely take you to the dark side. Ultimately, you will fall victim to a crisis mentality. From Charlie Chaplin, the legendary American actor, you'll never find a rainbow if you're looking down. Black and white thinking. When under the stress of a crisis, our primitive minds drive us to engage in black and white or all or nothing thinking. Viewing our choices as if they're in direct opposition with one each other is our brain's way of trying to make the situation as simple as possible, thereby making it easier and faster to make decisions. It's either this choice or that choice. Super simple. Our ancestors' choices were, in fact, fairly simple. You either fought or you fled. The problem is that the complexity of today's crises isn't usually amenable to either or propositions. When you allow your ancient brain to focus on the two most extreme possibilities, you lose sight of the shades of gray and the many possible options that lay in between black and white, where the solution to the crisis will likely be found. Overgeneralization. A crisis tends to be a singular event that stands out dramatically from the norm of your life. The powerful impact of a crisis can lead to a tendency for us to view it as an omen to, that foretells a future of more crises. For example, losing your job can be devastating for a number of reasons. The added pressure of being unemployed can lead to a pessimistic mindset about your abilities that ultimately lead you to conclude that you'll never get another desirable job the rest of your life. This overgeneralization precludes you from focusing on the one discrete event, the loss of your job. No matter how dire the impact might be, this pessimism creates an impassable mountain range where there had once been one challenging yet eminently climbable mountain to scale. Seeing only the negatives. As I mentioned earlier, focusing on the negative aspects of a crisis ensured our ancestors would concentrate on and resolve the threat that lay before them by fighting or fleeing. Unfortunately, only seeing the negatives today causes you to see a crisis in its entirety through dark colored lenses. This mindset highlights the negative aspects of the situation and renders the positive ones invisible or obscure. It also causes you to miss opportunities, overlook constructive options, and foresee positive outcomes that might exist just below the surface of the crisis. From the American writer, Sarah Dessen, if you expect the worst, you'll never be disappointed. Doomsaying. As a means of gaining some sense of control over a crisis, we attempt to predict the future. Unfortunately, the dark view of the world that inevitably accompanies a pessimistic mindset often leads to predictions of doom. Your predictions can become Nostradamic-like, predicting the end of civilization as we know it, or at least as life as we know it. Some examples include, we're going to have a global economic meltdown, or our company will never survive. Yes, crises can be really bad events, and yes, even catastrophic. However, they are rarely as bad as our doomsaying would suggest. Even if the outcome ends up being really awful, dark predictions early on will only make it more difficult to confront the crisis with opportunity mindsets, which just increases the chances of a bad outcome. Lastly, weight vest. Imagine you're about to run a marathon. You know what lies ahead, it will be challenging for sure, but you feel prepared. Then someone walks up to you and hands you a 50 pound weight vest and tells you that you have to wear it during the entire marathon. How will you feel? Heavy, weighed down, sluggish? And how will you run? Well, since you'll be carrying extra weight, you'll be heavy-footed. When you assume a pessimistic mindset, you don a metaphorical weight vest that bogs you down and shifts your focus away from an opportunity mindset to a crisis mentality as you engage with a crisis. 
In a pessimistic mindset, the negativity acts as the weight vest that permeates every aspect of your response to a crisis. With the weight of pessimism on your shoulders, you will be more likely to approach everything about the crisis from a position of weakness that sets you up for failure. Your thinking is filled with doubt, worry, and uncertainty. Your emotions are unpleasant and unhelpful, including fear, anxiety, frustration, anger, and despair. You will also unknowingly engage in self-sabotage by not giving your best effort and giving up easily and quickly. The almost certain result of this shroud of pessimism is an ongoing experience of unpleasant emotions and a disappointing outcome to the crisis. From Dwight D. Eisenhower, the 34th President of the United States, pessimism never won any battle. I'm Dr. Jim Taylor, and thanks for listening to Episode 25 of my Crisis to Opportunity podcast. And be on the lookout for Episode 26 in the near future.